You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Get Ready, Get Set, Get Going. Get ready, get set, and get going. The scripture that we're going to look at today is Mark chapter 16, verse 15. The very last chapter of Mark, almost the last scripture of Mark chapter 16, and it's Jesus saying, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is one of the last things that Jesus tells his disciples, and the first word that he tells them to do is to go. I love how the Holy Spirit I didn't know I was in a sermon series, but somehow we are, and how the Holy Spirit is tying the last couple of services and sermons together. Two weeks ago, before Easter, we talked about for this purpose, and we talked about and highlighted these different scriptures that Jesus said, for this purpose I was brought here. The main one that we highlighted was in 1 John where it says, for this purpose I was sent to destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the only reason I came was to destroy the works of the devil. And then we talked about in Easter, about getting up and getting out of that grave. We talked about how Jesus got up out of that grave, and if he got out of his grave, then he gave us the power, the authority, and the ability to get up out of our grave, whatever that is. Whatever you believe is dead in your life. And before Jesus even goes to the grave, he stands up in front of a grave, in front of Lazarus, Lazarus's tomb, and he makes the declaration that I am the resurrection and the life. We heard last week, or you can listen online or on our podcast, where that word resurrection, Jesus says, I am your stand-up and your recovery. You might not think you can get out of your grave, but Jesus says, I am your stand-up. I will help you stand up out of that grave, and not only stand up out of that grave, but recover and walk through that grave and come out on the other side. So we see over these last couple of weeks as we've talked about the end time of Jesus, the very end of his ministry, the very end of him being on earth, we kind of wrap it up in a bow as Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Now, you have to understand that his disciples were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. As much as Jesus told them, I'm going to die, I'm going to suffer, but three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead, I will see you again. They were not expecting that at all. We see that in the scriptures because as soon as they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says they all ran away. We see that they weren't expecting Jesus to come back to life because none of them went to the cross outside of John and Jesus' mother and some of those women. They all ran. They all hid. They all cried. And then they heard when the women were going to put ointments upon Jesus' body. They weren't expecting a risen Savior. They were going with lotions and creams and different things to put on the dead body. They weren't going there rejoicing that Jesus was alive. They were going wondering, how are we going to move the tomb? And then they saw, and then they heard, and then they rejoiced. 
And then the disciples ran to the tomb, not to rejoice over a risen Savior, but to find out what happened. How do we know that they weren't expecting Jesus to rise from the dead? Because they were hiding in a house, in an upper room with the doors locked, because they thought they were next. They're going to kill us. Remember a couple weeks before Jesus goes to the cross, he hears his disciples talking. He says, what were y'all talking about? And they, they oh, we weren't talking about nothing, Jesus. No, what, what were you talking about? Well, those disciples over there, they were asking who is the greatest and who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom and who would sit at your right. They thought in their mind they were about to be superstars. They were about to be celebrities. They were about to take over the Romans. They were ready for that. And then Jesus died and all of a sudden they're hiding because they think, I'm not going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. I'm going to be at the right cross of Jesus and the left cross of Jesus They're going to find us. They're going to kill us. And Jesus shows up as the risen Savior. He eats. He tells them, put your hands in the holes. See that I'm alive. Give me fish. He fishes for them. He cooks a meal for them. He visits. He talks to them. And Jesus brings his disciples up to a mountain. And Jesus makes this statement, go into all the earth. And as he's saying that, he starts ascending Bye. See you later. I got to go. Going back home. And then he disappears again. A couple days back, he was on a cross, dead and in a tomb. Now all of a sudden, we're on a mountain, and there he goes, floating up in the sky. And then these angels have to show up because these disciples don't get the hint. They're like, well, he'll come back. And they said, what are you doing? He is gone. And as we've gone through the last couple of weeks, we've learned that the purpose of Jesus being here was to destroy the works of the devil. So therefore, if his purpose was to do that, and we believe that his purpose was accomplished when he yelled out, it is finished, then therefore the the works of the devil have already been destroyed. They've already been removed. They've already been taken care of. Get ready. And now Jesus is there and he's calling you higher. He's calling you out of the grave. He's calling you to a deeper place. Get set. And now we're in our third part where it's time for you to get going. If Jesus has already taken care of the devil, if Jesus has already provided a way to save you and to get you in the right state of mind, to get your spirit corrected, to be taken out of the kingdom of darkness and conveyed into the kingdom of light, then now it's time to get going. Now it's time to go do something. Now it's time to be a light. Now it's time to go and live our life. Jesus tells his disciples that he's telling us today, go and live your life and preach to everyone you encounter. Jesus did all the work. He destroyed all the works of the devil including your sin, praise God. And he's already offered you help by being your stand-up in recovery. Listen to this. He's not only destroyed the problem, he's already given you the solution and the answer. Taken care of the problem, moved it out of the way, and he's given you the answer. So now it's time for us to go. Number one, go and live your life. Jesus tells his disciples, go into all the world. That word go means to to, to, to traverse 
to travail, to depart, to go, to journey, or to walk. We have to understand that the Christian life is not a stationary existence, but a life of movement, a life of growing, a life of going, and a life of giving and living. That the idea of Christianity is not a stationary existence. You should not be the same Christian that you were when you got saved. You should have a deeper relationship with God. You shouldn't be struggling with the same thing that you were struggling with when you first came to know Christ. You should have gotten past that. You should, your faith should be built. Your faith should be higher. You should be going from faith to faith. You should be going from glory to glory so that the things that I was struggling with back then no longer affects me. I'm past that. I'm not worried about that anymore. It's not going to hold me down. I've got somewhere to go. I've got something to do. Moving, growing. Me and my wife in October, we're going to celebrate 10 years of marriage. A whole decade with me. Praise God for her. (laughs) I think that's God laughing at me even. But if we were still fighting still struggling, still disagreeing with the same things that we were dealing with in our first year of marriage, I don't know if we would have made it to year 10. We've had to grow. We've had to mature. I've had to say sorry a whole lot more. I have to learn to apologize. I have to learn to deal with some things in my life and help her and build her up in her life. Same is true in our Christian walk. It's not a stationary existence. We're going to see throughout the scriptures that God's intent for humanity was always to go, to always move, to always be doing something. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, this is God speaking to Adam and Eve, and it says that God blessed them, and this is what he tells them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the flesh of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. He could not have told them that if he expected them to stay in the middle of that garden. You've got to go out and subdue the earth. This is the heart. This is the intent. This is what God was encouraging and challenging Adam and Eve because he knew if Adam and Eve stayed where they were at, that that tree right there would be barking at them. Why were they in the middle of the garden with that snake looking at that tree that God told them not to touch? My theory, my hypothesis is that they weren't moving. How can you go and feel and subdue the earth if you aren't on the edges of the garden? If you aren't moving constantly and going and doing that, I guarantee you it wasn't the first time that Eve just walked by the tree and the snake was like, hey, hey, I want to take a bite of this. Okay, cool, I'll take a bite of it. She had to have stayed around there. She had to have looked at it. She had to have seen it before. She had to think about it. That God at the very beginning is telling humanity to go out there, 
Go enjoy life. Go see all the trees that I planted. Go see all the birds of the air. Go see all the fish of the sea. Go see all the animals. Go see and enjoy the life and the world that I've created for you. Go and live life. Don't get caught up in your current circumstance. It's not the end of the world that whatever's happening right now is happening to you. It's only the beginning. If he's destroyed the works of the devil, if he's your stand-up in recovery, then what you can do is now go and live your life. Jesus tells his disciples in our scripture, go into all the world. Go. Don't stay here. Don't stay on this mountain. Don't stay in Jerusalem. Go. Go out. Live your life. And we see that. We see these disciples go and they travel and they preach and they teach and they tell them about what Jesus has done. All the way to India, the Apostle Paul shows up. He travels all over the known world sharing the gospel message. And look, Jesus even talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, look at this, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. If he's guiding you, then that means you're walking. That means you're going somewhere. When I was at Bible school and we went to India for a month and we were there and with the missionary and they would bring us uh, to different places. And we always had the missionary, her family, and some security with us. And we would go, and, and, and we were the only Americans, some of the only Americans that some of these Indians had ever seen before. So as soon as we showed up, 10, 20 of us, it was like the Beatles showing up to, it was crazy. I mean, they would, they would, they put all the the, if we'd go into villages, they would put the, the girls on, on their nicest cart with a horse, and they would lead us through town, and the kids would come out, and a lot of the kids, a lot of the, the, the men there don't have hair on their arms or legs, and they would just rub your arms and your legs as you were walking by, and these people would want to take pictures with you, but we would go to the mall, or we'd go to these uh, historical sites, and we would have a guide with us, and as we would walk around that area, they would point things out. Well, look at this here. This is here for that. The reason they're making this, I remember they brought us to this, like, I don't even know what it was, but uh, it was some sacred place, and there were these people there that were making uh, these different trinkets and toys, and there was this one guy who was making glass figurines, and he had his little fire going, and he had this long rod, and he had this, this thing of glass, and he would sit there, and he would spin it, and then he would pull it out as it was bright orange, and he would hammer it, and he would move it and maneuver it, and he had all these little pieces of glass there. And the guide was standing there, and he was talking to him in their language, and they were talking back and forth as we were asking questions, as he was showing us how he was making a dog and an elephant and a cat and all those things. That you have your own personal guide called the Holy Spirit, who you don't have to Google, who you don't have to call and wait because he's busy helping that person or that person. It says the spirit of truth is inside of you, and he is the guide to help you go wherever you need to go and enjoy life. God's intent is for humanity to move. 
Jesus' intent for the disciples that time was to go, and now the Holy Spirit is inside of us, guiding us to go. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, simple scripture, you hear me talk about it all the time. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is inside of us, the same, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of us, and it lives inside of us, then let's also go walk in the Spirit. Let's not stay stationary and where we're at. Let's move, let's go, let's grow, and also let's enjoy life. Yesterday, Maddie and the kids were in Aiken. Noah got a, a gift card to Target, and he had, had to instantly spend it, had to instantly buy something. So they went uh, to Target to buy something, and she, Maddie was saying, well, what do we need? What are we going to do for dinner? And I said, well, I'll order a pizza. She said, okay, I'll go do all whatever I need to do in town. And so I get on the website. I pick out all the pizzas. We need cheese, cheese pizza only for Noah. We need a special pizza for Maddie. I need my own special pizza. And then Eliza's going to eat all the pizzas. The other day, Jim and Karen, she ate three pieces of pizza, that little tiny thing devoured 19 pounds, little tiny animal of a blessing. <laughs> so I ordered the pizza. I paid for the pizza on the website. I did all of these things beforehand. All Maddie had to do was go and pick up the pizza and then enjoy it and eat it. And they ate it on the way home, and I was hoping there was a slice or two or a crumb for me to eat before it got home. But all the work was done. All Maddie had to do was go pick it up and enjoy it. As we've studied these last couple of weeks, all the work is done. All the work is done. Jesus has already shown up and destroyed the works of the devil. It's done. He's already made the statement, I am your stand-up in recovery. I am your salvation. All you have to do is believe on him and then go and enjoy your life. He's already taken care of everything. He's already paid the price. He's already paid the penalty. He's already laid out everything in the new covenant. He's already picked and chose what he wanted on that pizza of a new covenant for you. All you have to do is go pick it up and enjoy it. Eat and enjoy life, that he's come to give life and more abundantly. Go and live your life. And the second thing that he says in this scripture of Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Second thing that we have is preach to everyone you encounter in life. That word preach in the Greek means to herald especially divine truth. It means to preach, proclaim, publish. Now, I understand that not everyone is called to full-time ministry. It wouldn't make sense if we were all called to pastor a church. There wouldn't be anybody in the crowd. We would all just be preaching to ourselves to an empty church. We're not all called to the five-fold ministry, but we are called to preach the gospel. We are called to go out and be a light and be a city set on a hill. It says in the scriptures that we are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of the church of Christ. 
It also says that we are sons and daughters of the kingdom of the Most High God. And how exciting is it that he has a role and a responsibility for each and every one of us? Some of it is to stand on stage and preach. Others, it's to start a business. Others, it's to go out there and be a shining light to your community, get involved in politics. That God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, and it's not all of us to start a church, but that he's called us to go out there and be a shining light, to tell people about what Jesus has done. Not everybody out there knows that Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. Not everybody knows that. Because I've talked to people out in the community, and the first thing they say, usually when they find out I'm a pastor, is, Pastor, the devil's attacking me. Oh, the devil's coming against me. Oh, here he comes. I say, well, there's a scripture here that says he's destroyed the works of the devil. There's a scripture here that says greater is he that's in me. Are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Okay, great news. I don't know if you know this, but greater is he that's in you than anything, including the devil, can come against you. Well, I'm struggling with this. Well, guess what? I've got great news for you. If you know Jesus, if you say that Jesus is your Savior, it says in the Scriptures that he is your stand-up and your recovery. So whatever you're going through, he's already helped you, he's already set you free, and he's going to help you down a path of recovery if you believe on him. It's our job and our responsibility that when we taste and see that the Lord is good, to immediately go out there and share the good news with our family, our friends, people, our co-workers, whoever we come in contact with. Me, as a pastor, is not going to be able to minister to everyone out there. There are some people, I don't know if you know this, that don't like the church. There are some people that don't like pastors. There's a connotation that goes with the business sometimes. Some good, some bad. But not everybody's going to want to talk with me, but they're going to want to talk with you. Same Holy Spirit that's inside of me is inside of you, and he can guide you into all truth. Well, I don't know what to say. Well, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you what to say. He's going to help you. Well, all I know is John 3.16. Then that's the best scripture you know. Then tell everybody about it. And luckily, you have a book called the Bible where you can learn another scripture or two. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to read a couple verses. We're going to read a story. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Uh Uh-oh, we've got an issue. We have the church that's growing. The church is trying to do some help in the community. They're handing out food, and they're saying, this other group of people, the Hellenists, are saying that the Jews, the Hebrews, they're not feeding our widows. They're giving food to their people, but they're not giving food to our people because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, that might sound a little prideful there, but that's, that's not what they're saying. 
They know their role. They know their responsibility. Remember, they've been told by Jesus himself, go into all the world and preach the gospel. They are trying. They get filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and all of a sudden, 3,000 people get added to the church. If What if we had one service, and you were all here, and then next service, we had all of you plus 3,000 people immediately? There would probably be some issues. Miss Brenda upstairs would probably be freaking out a little bit. To jump that quick, the disciples are trying to figure out what this church looks like. They're trying to figure out and understand the role that they have as apostles, as disciples, as they're trying to lead and gather and build the church, and they're preaching, and they're trying to get this word out, this new word, this new Christian idea out that Christ died for their sins, was buried in a tomb, and rose again the third day. And they said, we can't stop this train that we're trying to control and then go and take care of putting bread on the table. Serving these people. So we've got to figure it out. And they also understood that we can't do this by ourselves. I can't just run and run and run and run. I'm eventually going to grow tired. I've got these disciples. I've got these other people that are in the church. Somebody else can serve. Somebody else can help. That's what they're saying. They're not up there being prideful. I can't serve a table. I'm the Lord's anointed. How dare I? wipe a table or use a broom. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, we've got all this stuff going on that we're trying to control. Let's get other people involved. Verse 3, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse 4, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They said, we know our position, we know our job, we know our role, we're going to stay in that, but we're going to take seven men, and the, the requirements are that they're full of the Holy Spirit, they're full of wisdom, because you have to understand that if there's a lot of widows and children that aren't getting their food, they're probably going to be cranky. Got to have some wisdom to figure out how to fix the system that's broken and rectify it to where everybody's getting fed. Verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. Everybody was happy about it. And here are the men they chose. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and that fellow, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Pumbaa, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, because they all knew that they had a role and a part to play, because there was structure in the church, there was immediate growth in the church, because everybody was doing their role, they had the Holy Spirit with them, they had wisdom, they were telling people about God, and because of that, it turned into a well-oiled machine, and the church started growing and growing and growing. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now, when we hear the story of Stephen, we think of the first martyr. We think of him getting stoned. We think of Saul at the time before he turned into the apostle Paul standing over him. Stephen giving this great speech in Acts, giving this great sermon that enrages the Pharisees, enrages them so much that they take him out of the city and they stone him for blasphemy. 
And Saul is there, standing there, approving of this death. It says they're throwing their coats. The reason they're throwing their coats is not to praise Saul at the time. They're throwing their coats there because they're about to get hot and sweaty because they're picking up the biggest rocks that they can find and hurling them upon this person. And as Stephen is standing there, he says, Look and behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. That's the Stephen that we know that we enjoy, that we preach about. But Stephen did not know that was going to happen. Stephen was just living his life. He tasted and saw that the Lord is good. He got full of the Holy Spirit. He got involved in church. And he couldn't stop helping himself, telling people about Jesus. And he was so excited about this that the disciples said, out of the 3,000 people, we're going to choose seven to help figure out how to fix these tables and how to feed these widows correctly. And they chose him. According to the scriptures, they chose him first. Now, Stephen at that time could have said, well, I don't get picked to do nothing. I've been serving in the church. I can speak in tongues. I can do this. I can do that. And you want me to throw some bread on the table. I can't believe these disciples want me to do this. I saw Jesus. I did this. I did that. It says that because of what he did, he picked up that role, that job, and miracle signs and wonders just started happening. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Where he just says, this is where I'm at. These are my congregants. These are the people that I see every day. I'm just going to use the love of God with them. I'm just going to serve them. I'm just going to talk to them. Have you heard about Jesus? Here's you a piece of bread, and let me tell you about what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you about how he saved me. Let me tell you about how he restored me. Let me tell you about the time he healed me. And boom, healing starts manifesting in the lunch line at his job. He had no idea that a couple days, couple months, he'd be standing in front of the religious leaders condemning them for killing Jesus and being stoned. That wasn't his end goal. In his list of goals was probably not be the first martyr. Get stoned for Jesus. Not a highlight of my life. Find a way to get brutally killed for Jesus. That, that wasn't his goal. That wasn't his mindset. He just started serving God in the place that he was in. He just started enjoying, I'm in God's kingdom. I'm a son of the most high God. I'm a part of his body of Christ. If Christ is building the church, and that means he's building me, which means I get to build other people. He's working on me, and he's working through me, and therefore I get to be a blessing. And I'm going to see miracle signs and wonders happen in my life, in my circle of influence. Romans chapter 1 Verses 16 and 17, we've heard this scripture before. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, what is the power of God? It's got to go back to what he's talking about, the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 17 says, for in it, what is it? The gospel of Christ. For in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live 
by faith that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Everywhere I go, every circumstance I step in, every person that I encounter, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because I know that the the, the power of the gospel of Christ will lead them to salvation. I know that talking about the simple gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God. Not his wrath, not his anger, not his judgment. When I talk about the gospel, it's his righteousness that's revealed. And it says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we who were sinners could now become righteous. So when I reveal the righteousness of God to them, it helps them become righteous and gets the sin out of their life. The simple gospel message, well, I don't know what to say. John 3.16 is a beautiful thing to say because it's the gospel message. If all you can say is, I know that Christ died for your sins and he was buried in a tomb and he rose again three days later according to the scriptures, that alone can transform and change a person's life can change their lives forever. Almost 40 years ago, there was a young 26-year-old announcer. He was working for CBS, and the management team of CBS asked him to get more involved in being a teleco- uh, uh, a person who uh, got involved with golf. He was mainly uh, involved with basketball. He's just starting out as a young announcer, and they asked him to get involved in golf. He'd only been to two different uh, televised golf events at the time, and so the CBS management sent him to Augusta, sent him to the Masters, and told him, we're going to shoot some promos, and when the Masters start, you're going to help be an announcer for the Masters. So he shows up to the masters on time, and when he gets there, he finds out that his camera crew is late. They miss their flight in Augusta, or they miss their flight in Atlanta, and so he calls his boss, and he says, I don't have my camera crew here. What do you want me to do? And he says, why don't you go ahead and play around at Augusta? He said, well, I don't, he said, I was in a shirt. I was in a tie. He said, "I, I didn't have golf clubs, and he said, his boss said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So all of a sudden, somebody comes out, and they say, hey, your boss bought you some shoes. We've got you some clubs. And he says, all of a sudden, I'm standing on the first tee with brand-new golf shoes, somebody carrying my bag. He said, I'm looking over my shoulder to see when this camera crew is going to get here. He makes it all the way through Amen's corner to hole number 13, and he just hits his drive. And he says he sees his boss in a golf cart driving toward him. And he says at that time, he was three over going into hole number 13. And the boss drives up and says, hey, the camera crew got here from Atlanta. It's time to go shoot the promos. And so he said, well, could I finish my round at least? He said, don't worry, you'll have plenty of time to finish finish a round in the future. He said, we've got to go shoot the promos. And it's the first time in this promo that Jim Nance uttered the phrase, a tradition like no other. He is now going into his 36th master that he is televising and announcing today. He has led 
34 of those 36 masters as the main announcer. He just signed another deal with CBS in March that brought his salary from $6.5 million to $10.8 million for the sole purpose of being a part of the Masters. He says on his 51st appearance at the Masters will be the 100th year of the Masters on CBS that he plans to attend. Now that is someone who had an experience that they can't shake for the rest of their lives. That is someone who has uttered the phrase, a tradition like no other, time and time and time again, who knows exactly what that means, who said it out of the, the, the inner belly of his spirit. And it's a beautiful example for us. At the moment that you were saved, the moment that you encountered God is a tradition like no other. That other religions say that you need to go try them, but it's, it's nothing compared to the relationship that we have with our Father. That as we experience and we read that Bible and we have encounters with God and we see the faithfulness of God and we see His hand move not only on our lives but our family's lives and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and our great-grandchildren's lives, that He is not just a God of a generation. He is a God of many generations. God did not say, I'm the God of Abraham. He said, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That my parents decided to serve God before we were born and made sure that we were in church and we encountered God at a young age to where I became saved at a young age to now me and my wife making the decision whether we're pastors in a church or not, we're going to be in church every Sunday. And we just celebrated around Easter time the one-year anniversary of our son who's five years old who got saved last year in bed. That Maddie got to pray over him and lead him in the sinner's prayer, that God is a God of generations, a tradition like no other, that God has encouraged us to go into all the world. Listen, bad things are going to happen. It's the fallen world that we live in, but we have the answer. We have the key. We have the cheat sheet because Jesus already destroyed the works of the devil. So anything that I come up against has already been defeated. I can go out and live life. I'm not going to let these things hold on to me. I'm not going to let the chains of life hold on to me. I'm not going to let the situations of life hold me back anymore. I've got to go because that's what my father's told me to do. And everywhere that I go and as I enjoy life, as I go on vacation, as I spend time with my wife, as I spend time with my family, with my kids, with my dog, with my house, as I go out and live and enjoy life, I know that greater is he that's in me than anything that can come against me in this world. Because if I come against anything and I start to struggle and I start to fall. It says that a righteous man, although he falls, he can get up again. How can he get up again? Because the stand up and recovery is there holding him up and pulling him up and bringing him up so that I can keep going. And that any person that I encounter, I can tell them about the good news, the gospel message that we are called to go into all the world and also preach the gospel message. The last thing I have, and I'm finishing with this, get ready to conquer the world because Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. Get set in your life because Jesus is your stand-up in recovery, your resurrection in life. And finally, get going. Go live your best life and tell everyone that they can do the same with Jesus on their side. Amen. Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have encouraged us to go. 
that we're not going to stand idle anymore. We're not going to stay in this situation. We're not going to stand in this sin. We're not going to stand in this struggle, in this insecurity, in this thought, in this mindset. We're not going to stand in it anymore, but we're going to go past it because you have given us the mind of Christ. You have destroyed the works of the devil. You are holding us up. You are our stand-up. You are our recovery. You are our resurrection. You are our life, and you come to give us life and more abundantly, and we choose today to enjoy that life. We choose today to walk in that abundant life. We know that the Spirit is inside of us. Therefore, if we are in the Spirit, we are also going to walk in that Spirit. Father, I thank you that everyone here, you have blessed because they are your sons and daughters. I thank you that you have called them. You have a purpose for them. You have a desire to see them succeed in the things that you have placed inside of their hearts. You've given them the desires of their hearts, and you also want to see those desires be fruitful and multiply in everywhere that they go. Father, I ask that you help them, encourage them, give them the words. Holy Spirit, guide them into all truth that they can go in life and they can also share the beauty of who Jesus is and everything that they've done, that we can tell people that Christ died for their sins, that he was buried in a tomb and he rose again according to scriptures on the third day for them, that if they believe on that simple message, they receive and see the righteousness of God, and they also get to experience him for the rest of their life and the rest of eternity. Father, I thank you for the people here. You're helping them. You're healing them. You're restoring them. You're calling them up higher. You're calling them up from glory to glory. You're calling them up from faith to faith. You're calling them up from where they are to where they need to be and where you see they're supposed to be. Father, I thank you that you're protecting them. You're healing them. You're blessing them. You're causing them to prosper and that you're going to bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.